Welcome back to another Reason to Behold podcast and this one is a replay from one of our live streams on YouTube. Um, If you haven't already seen any of the live streams, check it out on YouTube at Reason to Behold. We just talk all things godly, Christian content and you can watch us having a conversation with all sorts of different people on all sorts of different subjects. So without further ado, here's the conversation. Welcome, welcome. So today we're going to be talking with a few of my good friends, including my beautiful wife, um, just about Christianity, man. We want to chop it up. So these are kind of the conversations that we usually have offline, just on FaceTime, on phone calls, just impromptu, middle of the night. And so we thought, you know what, let's actually just have this conversation out loud, especially on the back of one of our recent YouTube videos. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to invite them up on the stage one by one just to introduce themselves, let you know a little bit about them, and then we can get straight into the conversation. So first of all, I'm introducing Mr. Gus. Welcome, Gus. Hello, hello. So yeah, my name is Gus. Um, I'm a mechanical design engineer by trade in the construction industry slash fire protection. And yeah, that's Okay, thank you very much, Gus, Mr. Engineer. Next up, we've got one of our very, very, very popular faces, co-host of the podcast. You know who it is, Mr. Tolu. Good evening, good evening. My name is Tolu. Um, In my day job, I work as an analyst, and so I manage a team of analysts. Um, Yeah, that's me. Perfect. Tolu, the recurring road mic guy who's shutting it down with the good questions. He's in this conversation today. Next up, we've got a power couple who has been on our podcast. You may have heard their voices. They have been married for a good good few years, so we take a lot of lessons from them. We've got David and Asana. Hi. Hi, guys. Good evening. Good evening. Welcome. Welcome. Thank you. So first and foremost, um, I'm David. I'm a community and youth consultant. And um, yes, my wife Asana. Hi, my name is Asana and I'm a psychotherapist in training. Perfect, perfect, perfect. We're going to need some of that psychotherapy for the conversation <laughs> for sure. <laughs> Next up, we've got the one that I gave my life to after Jesus allowed her to be the mother of my child, firstborn, first wife, only wife, wife of one, Nash. Hi, <laughs> thanks for the intro. So I'm Nash Amber. And for my day job, when I'm not looking after our daughter, um, I am a marketing and branding professional. Beautiful. You're beautiful. Thank you very much. (laughs) I can't help myself. So um, next up, we've got musical Mr. Musician. This guy plays so many instruments and sings songs on all different levels. We've got Mr. Jonas the Beloved. Hi, guys. I'm Jonas the Beloved. My day job is I'm a pastor. Come on, tell them. (laughs) (laughs) No problem. So um, what we're going to do is we're just going to go through a few key points. So, you know, just to even back it up, we're talking about Christianity and just wanting the real thing. And there are statistics that talk about how there are more than 10,000 different 
religions in this world out there today. And yet every single person in this conversation who's introduced themselves, myself included, identifies as a Christian, a follower of Christ, someone who believes in Yeshua Mashiach, whichever way you want to go, we believe in Jesus. And so Christianity separates itself from a lot of other religions by making itself very exclusive and making it very clear that there is only one way. And so some scriptures that I wanted to throw in there just for some context is John 14 verse 6, which says that Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Acts 4.12 says, and there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. John 3.36 says, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. So we're dealing with a very, very exclusive set of beliefs, a very exclusive um, system of beliefs that says to you, despite the fact that there are 10,000 plus religions or systems of thinking religiously out there, Christianity is the one or is one religion that actually separates itself by saying the 10,000 plus options are fake and 2,000 plus years later, Jesus is still the way and the only way. So with that context, I just want to go through everybody who's come up one by one, just so they can introduce why it is that you, in your own personal decision, your own personal walk, decided that you were going to follow Jesus and you didn't choose the other 10,000 plus. So starting with Mr. Gus, tell us your piece. Yeah, so I chose to follow Jesus because um, before I was saved, I did my own personal research and a lot of things that were out there and how true they were to me. Um, by trade, I do um, design, like I said, but I have a lot of scientific um, backgrounds as well, um, academically. So there's a lot of things that I looked at, for example, biology, um, botany, science and all those kind of things. And when I looked at it and I understood the complexity of it, it was plain to me that there's definitely a higher power of some sort which designed all these things in the particular way that he did. And mm. when I looked at Christianity and I looked at Jesus and I heard the gospel, um, it was a very easy decision for me to and made it very clear for me as well with my research that yeah, Jesus was the way to follow. So yeah, those are my reasons why I chose to follow. See, and do you know what I love about that is it's very, you didn't shut your brain off. Like you didn't just follow based on wishful thinking. You chose to exercise the brain God gave you and the skill set to be able to reason, to think, hashtag reason to behold, um, to think and use your mind to actually chew up whether this was actually something worth following or whether it was just something empty. So yeah. yeah. Thank you very much for sharing that, bro. Next up, we want to hear from David and the Sana. So I was born a Muslim. My, my my father's a Muslim. I didn't really practice Islam, but as a young as a youngster, I always kind of sought after God. I, I wanted to know God. I wanted to know. I believed that I believed that there was a higher power, and I wanted to know that higher power and worship that higher power. Um, but I remember there was a pastor not too far away from my house who lived 
literally a few roads down from me. And him being from Nigeria, and, my, and also my, me being from Nigeria, my mum introduced me to him because at, at the age of 18, I was getting into a lot of trouble. Yes. So I was speaking to this man and um, going to church with him on a few occasions. The thing that really drew me to the church was the love that they showed me. Yeah. You know, I, I really felt loved, yeah. accepted. I remember there was a time when, I'll be honest with you, I was getting into a lot of trouble. I was hustling, as the young people say, you know, and, uh, <laughs> you know, and whilst I was hustling, this pastor told the congregation that they would give, they should give me 10% of their tithes so I don't go out on the streets to make money. That broke my heart. I thought, wow. They, these people, I knew this was a small church. These people never had money, you know, yeah, but they're yeah. willing to give me some of their money. So that broke, yeah. that just melted my heart. And, you know, that really drew me to Jesus. Love yeah. drew me to Jesus. And just reading the Bible, getting to know more about Jesus, and just seeing the love that, yeah. you know, He offered and God offered me. Yeah, that's, that's what made me see that Jesus, um, Christianity was the real deal. Wow. That is very, very, very powerful, bro. Um, and you know, it actually reminds me of this verse, John 13, verse 35, which says, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Mm. And it's interesting because the the love is something that is supposed to define us as Christians. And I think it's so powerful. I, like, I've never heard a story like that. I've heard about great, amazing acts that people within the church and Christians have done to show love and to be generous and stuff. But I've never heard it, I think, in that context for somebody, especially somebody who's on road doing criminal activities, hustling. And rather than being told, you know what, well, you need to stop doing that thing, you need to come to this service, you need to come to that service, you need to be baptized, you need to do this course. Like they took practical steps and said, you know what, let's actually take our funds and let's actually help him financially. Let's meet his needs. And I think that's such a powerful thing. So, so yeah, thank you for sharing that, bro. How about you, sis? Um, yeah, I grew up in a Christian home. Um, however, at the age of five, I just, no, at the age of eight, I, I knew that there was a higher power, a greater power. Um, in my teenage years, I started actively searching. You know, I did my research, similar to Gus, you know, science, you know, looked at other religion. And um, I was still going to church, but you know, I just felt like God was so big and so distant. I, I didn't understand how I could have a tangible connection with, with God. Um, as a teenager, a friend of mine invited me to her church. It was a Nigerian church. I grew up, um, I'm from Jamaica. So at first I was like, I don't know. Went to the church and um, I just, there was a revival amongst the young people. They were so passionate about God. You know, I remember there's this one guy, he was, you know, he was from the streets and he was given his testimony of how he found Jesus and how his life was transformed. And there was this peace about him. And I was like, I, I want that. What he have, you know, what he had, I was like, I want that. And, you know, that day I made the decision to, you know, yeah, commit my life onto God. And, and that's me since then. That's powerful. It's always, it's always nice hearing about how, like something that's consistent that I'm hearing, I think in both of your stories is how people who were already Christians played a part in the, whatever it was that they did, that gave you a taste of whether it was something that you wanted to pursue or not. And I think that's a really, really 
powerful thing. So thank you very much for sharing that. So next up, we've got co-host Tolu Talks up on stage. What made you choose to follow Jesus? Um, So kind of like Asana was saying, so I grew up in a Christian home. So my parents um, were very kind of, very discipleship led. So kind of growing up, we, you know, we do like our quiet times together. We do all of that stuff. Um, but I think probably when I was about, you know, 13 or 14, you then start to, you know, rebel a little bit. You then start to try and uh, figure out your own way. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't until, so I think I was going to church and I was like Christian by by name. So, you know, I'd given my life to Christ when I was maybe like five years old or four years old. Um, but then kind of by the time I got to university, I wasn't really living that lifestyle. I wasn't really being a disciple. And I think university was a really key time for me because that's when I moved away from home. You know, that's when I was living by myself. Um, and that's the point where for me, like faith become became a very real practical thing in my life. Um, and that's where I really started to, to take my discipleship and my walk a lot more seriously. Um, and I really started to engage in the relationship element of, of walking with God um, and really building out that relationship. That's good, man. That's real good. And I think knowing your story and having heard it a few times, it always surprises me. The, mm. the person you described who you once were versus the person you are today is just, you don't smell of smoke at all, bro. Like, sure. you're one of those guys to me, man, that if I'd met you today, I'd think this guy was born <laughs> or something, bro. <laughs> so, yeah. Okay, no problem. Thank you very much for sharing that. I'm just going to bring up my missus, why did you decide to follow Jesus? Well, um, I grew up in a semi-Christian-ish household. I say ish because I think Congolese household. So it's almost like when things are going bad, straight away it's like, God, we need to pray. We need to anoint something in this house. Things are going on. So I kind of had an, an inkling that, okay, God is real. Um, I do actually need to... Um, you know like connect with god on some level but i didn't have i would say like an encounter which i guess as we like talk i would speak more what i mean by that but i didn't have like a proper kind of meeting point until maybe much later when i was like 16 but i was always curious to know and the reason why i followed christ is because he made sense like there was consistency um all the other religions it was all it's it felt like you have to do stuff in order to be um like qualified you ha- it's all about your works and how you did stuff whereas with jesus it was about what he did for me and i just thought yeah this is lit i need to be about this life so yeah in short that's that's pretty much it but yeah okay no problem well i know your story i hear it often so mm-hmm. we thank god you chose jesus because if you didn't baby wouldn't it be us would it no it wouldn't be it wouldn't be it wouldn't be <laughs> no i think it's beautiful what I'm going to do is bring up Jonas, last but not least, and then we're going to jump straight into the conversation. Guys, you're going to have to forgive me because I know we keep switching from person to person. I'm just trying to get through everybody's stories quick so that we can just get into the conversation because we've got some fire questions to talk through. So, Mr. Jonas, the beloved, talk to us, bro. How's it going, brother? Are you good? All good, bro. You? God is faithful. <laughs> Tell us, what made you choose Jesus? 
man simple and jesus is faithful you know the faith the bible says the steadfast love of the lord never ceases so i think for me uh, like nash said the consistency of who god is over the years you know we i think most of us probably grew up in a christian home or especially those of us that come from congo we grew up in a christian home but just to see his consistency you know, how consistent how loving how kind he is how faithful he is the, yeah. you know daily the the trials and the things that you face you realize yeah. there is no other one to trust better than jesus mm. you know so that has been my testimony and no one better to give my life to than jesus i can never mm. go back it's impossible mm. no turning back no turning back no it's we, we've already threw out the cards you see there's no return <laughs> no problem that's a beautiful story again bro i love the love that you have for god and the way you express it through music yeah so just to set the scene guys um before the stream we put out some um, opportunities for people on instagram people that we're speaking to just to kind of bring forward some questions just on the subject of christianity and wanting the real thing and so we've got a bunch of them that <laughs> lined up so we can get right into it guys the reason i'm laughing is because <laughs> me private messages calling me out but anyway my job today i'm not really so like here to speak i'm here to be the voice people them that have got questions okay so so the first question is why can't i just be a good person and go to heaven why do i need to accept jesus as my lord and savior don't all jump at once i i think there are pastors in the room so i'm just uh i'm just leaving room for the pastor to why can't i just be a good person and go to heaven why do i need to accept jesus as my lord and savior and i guess this is on the back of the fact that as christians we talk about jesus a lot like if you go to the high street when you're not in lockdown you might have the person that's out there shouting you need jesus you need jesus you need to turn to jesus turn from your sin turn to jesus but not everybody actually understands why we need to accept jesus why can't you just be a good person why can't you just do a bunch of good things and then earn your way to heaven um I'll, I'll pick it off um so when Thank jesus you, was speaking to <laughs> when jesus was speaking to the um the the rich young ruler he had the same question he was like you know i've done everything good you know but the rich young jesus said to him but there's none good but one god alone is good you know all have fallen short of the glory of god there's not one of us that's good in your in the person's goodness they've slid in their life they you know they've um they've done something bad i can't list all the things they possibly done but yeah. nevertheless because of that the wrath of god is on you it sounds really deep but i've just lied one or two lies but we are all falling short of the glory of god none of us could ever meet god's standard but jesus came and paid the price so that we had act so we have access to god you know paul says it really well in um in 2 Corinthians 5, he says, for this very reason, we compel men, you know, to come to God because of the wrath of God. The wrath of God is coming off, you know, um, this, you know, yeah. The reason why Jesus came is to deliver us from the wrath of God. Mm. You know, 
the wrath of God is falling upon the whole earth, just like it did in the day. If you know, if you if you remember the story of Noah, everybody got it, apart from the ones who were in the ark. Jesus has become our ark. You know, Jesus is now our ark, and the only way we can have eternal life or have access to God is through Jesus. You can't just get to heaven because you're good. There is no such thing as good. There's all like like I said again, Jesus said there's only good don't um, none is good but one <laughs> i hope that's clear and mm. and i agree because i think you know it also begs begs the question how good would you have to be when do you know that you've been good enough to actually make it you know because actually like how do you define a good person what does that even mean mm. you know, people have different Firstly, people have different um, ideas and different scales in terms of what's bad, but also what's good. So is it because they've given a pound to charity or a thousand pounds to charity? You know, mm. how is that all calculated? So it's almost like there has to be a standard. There has to be a way that actually people get to heaven. You know, there has to be redemption. There has to be, so like David said, you know, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. You know, we all have that sin. We all have something that needs to be redeemed. And actually, what God has done through Jesus Christ is made that acceptable. It's made that accessible to everybody, right? Whether you're rich, you're poor, you're black, you're white, like that is acceptable, accessible to everybody. You know, because otherwise, what if I can't do good deeds? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Hear that? Also, with this conversation, for me, it always goes back to like the beginning and whenever I'm having a conversation about like um, heaven and being good and stuff like that and like Tolly was saying and stuff it's like who defines good at the end of the day because it can't be any of us because we're all jacked up and we all come from different backgrounds as well like what is good in the Congolese culture I'm telling you is not good in the UK culture the things that the Congolese culture love celebrate they want to just be like mm, oh, this is it you can't like it doesn't bang in the in the UK culture, you know. Like, for example, in the Congolese culture, they like the women to be thick, long, and zoto. You got to be big. That's what they think is beautiful. <laughs> you know, this is how they are. Don't yeah, Santi. That's how they feel. Like this thing is happening. This thing is real. Yeah. People like myself in the Congolese culture, they're looking at me like, oh, you need to eat more. You need to do this. And for them, it's not enough. So they've already they've already disqualified me so for, for them people i'm already not good but you come to the uk culture all of a sudden nash amber has made it body goals wow slim thing okay? so yeah i'm accepted but in my with my own people i'm not accepted so for me it's like this people this world cannot it can't set any standard because wherever you go in the earth you always find that somewhere else like somewhere else is different and so there has to be a a place like there has to be an original place that we all desire to go to or we all think there has to be there has to be a beginning because like this whole big bang theory we all know it's dead because how are big bangs going to create babies like just being pregnant and seeing how my body develops and stuff it just shows that somebody has like intricately put this together in order for a child to develop week by week and to see her now like it's just too much and for me it's like you cannot say that's a big bang so if there's an uh, if there's a creator it's about asking okay when he when he's created us what was his original intent for creating us 
um because you don't like for example if someone says to me right now oh nash like make something you make something with purpose like a chair is to hold people up you know if the chair is bad if people are falling on the floor do you get what i mean there's always a test to know if something's actually what it was supposed to do and so for me it goes back to asking those kind of questions and for me i had those questions like what what is the meaning of life why are we here because you can't tell me i'm just here to make money get married have some babies and then die like there has Mm. to be more like come on like there has to be more and so that that curiosity of saying now but why are we here um how comes i'm black and how Mm. comes people are white how how comes i'm sure i'm this like we're all so different so where do those differences come from um so yeah so for me it's almost like those kind of questions i think warrant a searching in all of us where it's like i need an answer and for me you can't like tell me just to sit in a room and close my eyes and just rock backwards and forward and that's your answer i need more like i need i need to know how to how to function correctly Mm-hmm. Um, so for me the whole you know why can't you just be a good person just like who defines good and if it's and if it's the creator even if you don't call him god if you're just gonna start with okay there's something up there if there's something up there made you he he defines good so you you have to find out where does you know what does that good look like so that's a really rich answer yeah, I think my journey just started with loads of questions at the end of the day, like the questions, there was too many, there was too many things that didn't make sense for me um, on earth that it was like, I need an answer for this and you can't tell me, like you can't just fob me off with like African parables, I need something solid. Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> too many parables. the nerve. Come on, tell us, Jonas. You even grew up in motherland. Pastor Jonas, um, tell us. Yeah, I mean, you know, you 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 definitely. I think most of the time, uh, I would say religion uh, tend to grow according to culture. You know what I mean? Uh, main, mainly, it's, it's according to culture. But when it comes to Christ, it's a different thing. Uh, uh, the question that was asked, I like it because I love the way the person says, and I think David said it better. The parable that he gave—sorry, uh, not the parable—the story of a young girl that came to Jesus Christ. You know, Christianity is not about, be, it's not about being a good person because there are Christians who have accepted the Lord who are still living a Christian life, who aren't really good people. They—they—they're mm-hmm. they, not necessarily our favorite people. Rewind, rewind, rewind. Once I'm again, sorry. Please, people at the back, facing the disconnection in the internet. In case somehow somebody walked away whilst you were saying it, say it again, bro. I said there are people who have actually actually accepted the Lord as their Lord and Savior who are not necessarily good people. Come on. And there are are also brothers in the Lord that you wouldn't want to sit with a long time because you just know (laughs) this person is not really. So, what the person is asking is you want your character to be good, but God, Jesus, did not come for character modification. He came to give mm. us life. That's what the scripture says. He said that he who has the son has life. You know, mm. um, he came. You know, he came to give us life and ha- give give us life to live it and enjoy it in abundance. So Christianity is not about being good. It's about life, living. When you're alive, you choose. You know, 
something that is good, you know that this is good. You're like, I'm going to go to the good side. Do you know what I mean? So I think that's what Christianity is more all about rather than to say, um, I want to go to heaven, based, to heaven based on how good I am. Because let me tell you something. If people went to heaven based on the good things that they did, let me tell you something. Some of us, some of our behavior will be so holier than thou. <laughs> but it's not, that's not the qualification. The qualification is simply believing in Jesus Christ. And that's it. You believe in Jesus Christ, that he died, he was buried, and he rose again for you. Man, after that, then there is obviously the change of the mindset, obviously the, the mindset of the world in which the person lived in. And you know, which some of our brothers and sisters are still living in today. You know, some of our, some of them we avoid their phone calls because we're like, ah, is he? I don't, I don't think he's a Christian. I don't think he is. <laughs> I don't, I don't think that's a Christian. You know, but you know, I, 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 did you guys hear the story of the the, the pastor who, who almost killed his wife in the lockdown? You know, <laughs> what? <laughs> what? He's a Christian. (laughs) It's in America. He almost killed her. But he's a believer. You know, it's just so for that person who's waiting, uh, your good thing to go to heaven. Listen, mm -mm, it doesn't work that way. But anyway, yeah, that's that's my two cents. I don't want to go to the Congolese side. Congolese are just, Congolese are like super saiyan type of level. They just, yeah. What does it even mean, Jonas? It means that, listen. Bad Christians are on this level. Congolese are here. Bro, you're going to isolate the Congolese community from joining us. At reason to phone. Anybody from Congolese watching have nothing against Congolese. We, have nothing. we love Congolese people. 50%, I think, of this whole conversation is actually Congolese people. So there you go. That's, about that. That's actually true. I mean, Congolese <laughs> people can prove to you that the apple you just ate was a witch. <laughs> oh, <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna save that one for another live stream. So, Jesus, I can't do it. Okay. We're gonna move on to the next question. So the next question actually follows on quite nicely from what we've just been speaking about. And the question is: when we say believe in Jesus and that's it, no need for good works, does that mean we can do what we want? It depends what you mean by can we do what we want? What does that mean? Good question. Well, I think reading the question, my assumption from some of the conversations I've heard is I can go on sinning, basically. I can go and sleep with my girlfriend outside of marriage. No, you can't do that. I think think there's a difference, right? Because part of the question is, why would you want to do that? Mm. Right. Because I really believe that, you know, when you believe in Jesus and this really is your belief and this is the lifestyle that you are choosing, you know, it's not about right because it's not about works so in terms of there's no need for good works yeah there's no need for good works because actually do the good works get you to heaven no so it's not about do we now need these good works right mm-hmm. also about understanding back to what nash said about we were created for a purpose you know god has created good works for us to do you know but that's not for us to make it to heaven you know that's actually from a place of actually i've been saved by the love of god by the sacrifice that god has made and actually now I'm free to live a life because actually a lot of these things that people are talking about, that's actual bondage. Yeah. That's not actually freedom. You know, God has saved us to live a life of freedom, but actually it's freedom from sin. 
right it's not freedom to sin it's freedom from sin because actually like when it comes down to it all these things that you see people doing that you think that you want to be doing maybe like they're not even enjoying it themselves really like a lot of those people who are out sleeping with everybody and doing all of those things and doing evil things they don't actually like who they are on the inside they don't actually really have a real identity so kind of it looks great on the outside like they're so free but that's the deceit of sin you're actually in bondage you know you don't actually do the thing that you would really want to do you know and just to even add on to that as well like why would you want to do what you want um that that doesn't make sense to me because you've chosen to follow jesus why would you not want to follow the one who's created the way you follow um the bible talks about the heart being wicked and regardless of where you are in your walk or whatever you're deciding to do christ is always constantly changing our hearts as we choose to follow him so when we choose to do anything that we want to do then we're actually not being transformed and we're actually not being renewed and we're not actually going into that place of being the perfect bride that he wants us to be for when we enter heaven so it makes it difficult to Sorry, bro, bro. Sorry, my internet's a bit glitchy. I thought you'd finish. Keep going. No, no, that that was all I was gonna say. Um, so, yeah. So, I heard this one pastor, and he said, "I drink all that I want to. I sleep with as many women I want to. I do as much drugs as I want to." Because he's saying that actually that desire isn't really there within me, and I think that's really linked to what Gus is saying: is that actually. You know, even in terms of your desires, as you choose to follow Christ, like your desire, your desires, they evolve, they change, they grow. Like I haven't like clubbing for me, like I don't do that anymore. Not because I think it's a sin or anything like that, but because actually that's not really a desire that I have. You know, actually the things that I enjoy are things like this, where actually we can have conversations, we can edify one another. You know, so actually part of it is allowing you know that decision and that journey with christ to actually shape your desires and actually take on new desires yeah i was gonna say quickly just to jump off what tolly is saying like some of our desires are not even holy or even godly so mm-hmm. the fact that that happens because of the state of our hearts is even more important why we need to cling on to jesus and want to mm-hmm follow the examples that he set for us um the ways that he taught us to be with people with our walk and all these um beautiful different things to help us learn his desires and learn how he wants us to be Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that's good and i think even just to add like the connecting point i think between what we're talking about now and even some of the things that were said in the last um bit of the conversation is that ultimately we want to go back to God's original design, right? And so when we say yes to following Jesus, what we're saying yes to is that we clearly don't know what we're doing. Like the things that we think we like, we recognize that they're probably broken. And I think you don't have to take long in our everyday lives to actually experience it firsthand and to realize that, you know what, even when I do these things, that I think I enjoy. Like, it's just like Tony said, it's not enjoyable. And so the path and the journey of following Jesus is one that implies by itself that I no longer define what is good and what is evil. I no longer define 
the things that I should have tastes for and the things that I shouldn't. I take my cue purely from God because there is a way I was designed. And rather than me thinking about how much I can get away with, my focus should be how quickly can I learn and adapt this culture, this way, and this original intent that God had for me so that I can flourish as much as I possibly can in this life. Brilliant. Thank you. Yeah, go ahead, bro. Um, yeah, just thinking about when I first became a Christian, you know, and whilst reading the Bible, one of the things that really gripped me is when this was in um, a scripture in John 8, when Jesus says, I know him. And if I was to say, I don't know him, he's talking about the father, I'll be a liar, like unto mm-hmm. you. He was talking to the Pharisees. I remember that convicted me, thinking, wow, I want to know God like that. To be so passionate and convinced and assured that I know him, and looking and, and and just pursuing God through the Bible, I learned that God says, "Be ye holy, as I am holy." That yeah. answers the question to moral goodness. How, how, what, what level is your morality? Are you ever going to be as good or as holy as God? Yeah. And if you're not, God, that that is the requirement of God to be ye holy, as I am holy. You know, so um, so you can't. And as you pursue God, and as you want more of Him, as you desire to be holy. There's mm. no way you're going to continue doing sin because you realize that's not of God. Mm. Do you understand? That's not something that he mm. that he that he subscribes to. So you won't subscribe to that. Mm. Yeah, that's good, bro. Thank you for sharing that. And I think just to anybody that's watching as well, the comments we're literally flying through them. But I just want to read out one of them that came up from Adele. If we believe in Jesus, then we believe in His Word. If we believe in His Word, then we believe in His ways. Mm. His way means that we give up our own say it again his way means that we give up our own in order to live in purpose on purpose what do you guys think about that no no just i love that yeah i love it and i was gonna say it actually answers another question that i saw here in the comments um from churchilly that said is belief of our action enough and i think that answers it a little bit as well because you can't believe but not not do but, what the bible actually says so belief with action is not enough um if if that's actually your your understanding your conviction and if you're actually saying i agree with this you have to agree with it wholeheartedly not just bits of it but sorry like enough for what is what i'm not understanding right In what like, sense? so if you say is belief without action enough like is is it enough for what is it enough? eternal life it, it it was getting... so so this is this is where so i think off the back of what we were talking about earlier but the question went left us basically so and, and i think this is because so for example right the guy who was on the cross next to jesus right what what good works did he do after that point No. I think as much as we just said in that time when you asked the question, bro. No. Exactly. Literally, like, <laughs> no one to say any good works that he did after. Yeah. You know, it says if you believe in your heart and confess with them with your mouth, you know, that Jesus is Lord, like that you will be saved. You know, so that is in terms of salvation, that's what it is, right? That yeah. is enough for you to be saved and for you to go to heaven. But actually, is that the life that God has designed for you? You know, is that the life that actually, you know, we've been called to live? No. And I think sometimes people get that a little bit mixed up in terms of, is it enough? You know, 
like is it enough for for what you know what are we, what are we trying to do here I guess from what you're saying it's it's more about highlighting that when it comes to lifestyle because obviously like the example you're giving that guy was on his deathbed mm-hmm, that's mm-hmm. a very different situation from all of us here who are very much alive and have made decisions so that I, I feel like that's a, a case by case basis so like what you're saying in terms of salvation yes believing in itself yes however when it comes to living out what you believe we gotta do we gotta live out the word we we do but i think it's separating that from salvation yeah, yeah, yeah. it's not salvation right. but lifestyle yeah because sometimes people can treat being saved almost like an insurance policy like you know i just take it out and i leave <laughs> it there and engage yeah. with it that's but actually right. like, being a christian is is a lifestyle it's a choice it's discipleship you yeah. know and that actually mm-hmm. maybe we need to understand what really being a Christian is about, right? Because it's not just about checking the box so that I can go to heaven. No, it's actually like, this is about relationship. You know, it's kind of like, why would I enter a relationship with somebody and then do all the things that they don't like? You know, that that doesn't, <laughs> that doesn't make sense in, in terms of like, you know, husband and wife, right? It's like oh. you're entering a relationship, you know, so people actually have desires and they have a way that they want to relate together. And it's just oh. like thinking about this, you know, if you're in a relationship with your wife and you're constantly unfaithful to her, you know, your your relationship is going to be very broken. You know, so actually it's understanding that this is really about entering a relationship. You know, it's not just about that, you know, that, te- that tick box. Very, very good. That was a very elaborate answer to, I think, 1.5 questions. So <laughs> we're going to... Um, we're going to check out the comments. There's been a few things that have been said as well, just on some of the things that we've been talking about. So first up, we've got another comment from Adele. To truly believe in something changes your heart and your desires towards those things contrary to the belief. So to truly believe in something changes your heart and your desires towards those things contrary to the belief. What do you guys think about that? You can tell Adele's a writer, isn't it? She is. Very much so. <laughs> wow. Very, yes. very much so. Yeah. That's good. Um, and we've got another one here as well. Paul said, all things are permissible, but not all things are beneficial, favorable, helpful, useful, etc. Talk about being a teacher. Mm-hmm. This belief that we speak of will draw us to the things that are in line with God's will. So yeah, so lots of comments coming in. Dale's giving you some laughter there, Tolio, as well. Um, but I am going to quickly move on to one of the next questions we've got here, which steps in and steps on maybe a few toes. But the question is, I find, I find that a lot of us in church hide behind scriptures and aren't honest about where we're really at. Why is it so hard for us to be real in the church? Why do we feel the need to make others think we've got it all together? Mm. Wow. Brilliant question. Oh, you guys, we started off with the light work. <laughs> get comfortable with Brilliant of question. Some of the real stuff, you know? Absolutely. I, I have a follow-up question. Do you feel like this is linked to the fact that a lot of us believe that, you know, good works is actually the way to go? Do you think that's kind of, do you think that there's a link between the two things? 
Okay. Now go ahead, bro. I'm, me, I'm just, I'm just the voice for the. No, I, I think it's a good question because Antolu, follow up. I was going to ask almost the same question Antolu was asking. I think most people ask questions like this probably have um, experienced <coughs> hypocrisy in the church where people have said one thing but they're doing another and mm-hmm. you know you can't you know you can't tell someone to uh, stop sinning and then you know you're 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 you're, you're cussing out people or you're doing something else they'll be like listen you're not being truthful so i think it's more of uh, living a life that uh, shows christ you know paul says that you know be imitators of christ do you know what i mean and I love what this, there was a scripture I read the other day. Um, I can't remember where it was. I know I remember it was, uh, was reading. Paul says that I put my body under subjection so that I may not be a castaway. So I make sure that I'm disciplined enough so that other people will be watching me. They, don't, they won't be looking at me and said, ah, Paul leader, we have to do it as well. So I think being real uh, in church, I don't, I don't understand that part being real because I think the most realist religion in the world is actually Christianity. But at the same time, you do find um, hypocrisy everywhere. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. They aren't usually, they are, there are always people who are, you know, coming and, you know, in sheep clothing and then showing that they're Christians, but really aren't, you know. Mm-hmm. And I guess the person is asking that question because someone was not, you know, trying to be open with them, you know, to tell them, uh, listen, this is how life is, or maybe life is hard. And, and I guess obviously the experience is that you, you definitely get in churches and stuff like that. But you know, yeah. Sorry, someone else. I feel like it's some wrong teaching as well, right? Because when yeah. you look at the people who behaved this way, right? It was like the Pharisees. It was the Sadducees, right? Because actually, when you Paul, Paul will tell you straight. He's like, the things I don't want to do, I do. You know, he's like, this is what I'm struggling with. You can see even through the Bible where they had disagreements with one another. And Mm. some of the disagreements meant they didn't walk together anymore. Mm. You know, throughout the New Testament and how it was, you could actually see that, look, people were very real with one another. People rebuked one another. You know, so I'm not quite sure, actually, where we get that kind of view that actually we should be different to that. You know where we should be perfect and we should be projecting this perfection um i think it's it's you know it's like you put on your sunday best right you put on your best foot forward and you know um that has obviously caused a lot of damage in 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 the church in christianity and i think you know i believe that you know you you definitely need to be more authentic and you know if you look at the scriptures as as tolu just said when you read the scriptures you read the story of david you're like "Hmm?" Did God say David is a man after my own heart? They were so real, so authentic. And yeah. I believe that's, that's you know, we need to lead by examples. Leaders need to lead by examples. Mm. And I think also people within the church need to treat others with more grace as well. Because sometimes, you know, we can put each other on pedestal, have these unrealistic, unrealistic expectations from others. But mm. I think if we <clears throat> practice being authentic and being real, I think, mm. you know, we can, you know, there is this saying that, you know, when, when, when you share your struggles and someone else is able to say me too, it's like, yeah. you almost, it's, it's like you're making a friend, a brother or a sister. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's where you're able to, to share, to pray for each other and to grow, grow together as one, as a body. Yeah. Wow. wow. So, you know, I think 
this is this is this is actually something that is a very dear question to my heart because like just for even context like for anybody watching the majority of these people who are up here speaking they've seen and see me for sure they see the areas that Arnold needs to grow they see the areas that you know like Arnold's flopping in this area you know Arnold needs to sort it out and I think there's something about having those real authentic relationships just like you're talking about where where that is expressed because I think firsthand like speaking the person that actually asked this question I had a conversation with them and I could understand and had personal experiences myself that were relatable to the same thing where you're in conversations with people and 24 7 everything is good 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 even though you know that you see some of the some of the wider picture of what's going on in their worlds and how things really aren't good and how they're not really okay and so it's just that disconnect between being able to be honest about what we're going through at times um how we really do feel about our situation because scripturally speaking as well jesus in the garden my soul is sorrowful unto death like jesus didn't sin in saying that he was just expressing the reality of the context that he was in um, outside of that as well, Paul in the New Testament somewhere else speaks about how um, they they despaired even of life itself because of what they were going through in a given time. And, you know, now I'm just talking about how we feel about situations, but then there's also the other side about the areas we need to grow in or the areas we're falling short in. Equally, it's like, I think Tony was right when he was saying that this question is connected to the previous question because one of the reasons I think that there's a lot of pretense or a lot of this focus on our image is because we do sometimes have a wrong view of what it takes or what it means to be a good Christian like and even on top of that if you want to go a step further what it takes to be justified before God and sometimes it is because we've brought into a work salvation either to be justified by God because of our good works or to be justified by other people by the appearance of our good works and I think that's one of the big problems that I think we do sometimes experience so I think you were going to say something. I was just going to say, like, I think Gus had something to say about this. Yeah, I was just going to say, I, I appreciate the question um, because I feel like um, sometimes in church you have a lot of theory-based teaching where you've been given a word, but nobody has, or there isn't an example of application. So I think when one could be asking this question from a perspective of, okay, how do I actually practically live this out or do the things that are being said that's where the realness is a lot more appreciated because somebody can see an example and say oh okay i understand or somebody can hear in testimony and say okay from this testimony i relate and one you can see where they've fallen short or see what they've done good and then by yeah. that it's allowing you to also understand what it is like to grow in a walk and also know what it's like to also sustain and be consistent because um everybody everybody will for sure even in their walk with christ that's inevitable but understanding repentance is also good to be seen as well because many will be in church but they've never understood what actually repenting is because there's this whole persona that everything is good so for sure how does one understand repentance if they haven't hey. been taught to see it, it or even um yeah yeah because they haven't seen it i haven't done it so I, I really appreciate this question from that perspective and 
um, from what Jonas was saying, where it can feel like it's hypocrisy because one side is looking like this, but there's no actual evidence of what this living life <clears throat> and being a Christian looks like. I, I agree, and I think it links even to what Asana said, because one of the ways that we can really see how we are to be, you know, when things go wrong is through David. You know, because you could see David was going down a very wrong path, but when actually it was brought to his attention and he really, he saw it, you could see actually how he responded to that. You know, and there, there's some really interesting things from that, even in terms of, you know, he was so repentant, so instantly, so quickly, you know, but then after, because part of what happened was that the, the son from him and Bathsheba died, right but you see that you know the way that he responded really shocked the people in his camp right because when the child was alive you know he was mourning he was praying he was sorrowful he was repentant then once the child died actually his approach was really shocked they're like but he's not even grieving now that the child has died because he also understood that actually look this is what has happened the consequences have happened but i also can't dwell within those consequences and sometimes actually we don't actually follow even that kind of pattern or that kind of example you know and actually mm -hmm. that drives us off into a spiral mm. yeah. that's good that's real good so we've got the the comments going wild at the moment also, a little bit sorry go ahead sis. yeah no I, I was just going to say also from a psychotherapist um you know psychology sort of um you know perspective like being congruent you know with yourself or with your belief is so important because when you're not it really does or it really could affect your mental well-being mm. so it's important to you know be be authentic with yourself and others and we find that a lot in david there's i think it's psalm 51 when he says that god desires truth in my in in, in my innermost parts you know and he says um let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be accepted in thy sight so he he was making connection a connection with his um his um the heart and his mind do you know what i mean that there was a, a um a unison between the both with, with, with the both of them so he, he he always desired to be yeah authentic and true yeah. you know yeah so yeah sure good so I'm going to give some some a little bit of space to the comments because people have been saying quite a few things here. So I just found out that we have comments. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going back through all the comments right now. So first up, we've got Zena who said, or do we, and I think this is a response to the question that we asked originally, or do we just assume that people have it all together based on the snapshot that we see for a couple of hours at a Sunday service? <laughs> Zena. <laughs> yeah that comes back to the sunday best right oh yeah. goodness come on uh, so no, but even, well, you know what that's this gonna be a separate live stream anyway um and Nemo's commented on that same comment saying true talk um adele said some may be some may not be honest about where they're really at because no one wants to be the target of judgment okay can, can we talk about that because this is also <laughs> <laughs> this is also the problem this is also the problem because what do we do when actually we see that somebody has fallen short what how do we deal with that yeah because i think the, the second part of what she's saying i feel like 
adds to what you, like before you basically make your point i think you should read read the second i I, I would change one word from her comment she says even within this church i'd say especially within the church i would Yeesh. do this yeah is corrected with love and grace even flash especially within the church goodness me yeah, yeah. um we've also got Alifia who said false and aspirational expectations that are wrapped around cultural applause Alifia is another right if you guys <laughs> <laughs> Inspirational expectations that are wrapped around cultural applause. I think we're going to have to bring Alifia out one of these days to just really unpack that because it's loaded, it's pregnant. Um, <laughs> we've got Chachili saying so many people are not real because they don't know what being real means. We need to know what's expected of us. Ecclesiastes 12, verse 12. And then I think he corrected it after that to 12 verse 13. I don't know what that says. I don't know if I'm going to Google it immediately. Ecclesiastes 12 verse 13. If you're there, let us know. It says, um, what version do you want? The ESV says, the end of a matter, all has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. Okay, love to hear a bit more about that as well, bro. Mm-hmm. A bit more so we can maybe get into it a bit. Um, also, we've got another comment there from Alifia. Also, sometimes pride, sometimes you don't want others to know that you fall short in an area. This is a really, really important point, a very, very true point. And I, I, I think that point, anyway, are we commenting on these comments? Yeah, 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 please comment. Go ahead, let's engage. I told you I was going to say something earlier. Um, yeah, I, I think with, with this one, I, I think, mm-hmm. and I think that comes down to the level of relationships we have and don't have within our community being the church. Some of our relationships are so shallow, you can't be vulnerable with people you don't know. Like mm-hmm. we learn that from God as our father, as the creator, he sets the tone and he shows us that it's about having intimate relationship with him. He's not interested in shallow relationships with us, but we then want to have it with one another. So I think it's it's very easy for any of us to have pride or to have just even fear of rejection, fear of not being accepted. You know, that whole quote that we now say, you know, nowadays, like fully known and deeply loved. That's what we all desire to be. We want to be fully known as we are, flaws and all, and deeply loved and accepted as we are. But you can't, trust that your bro your sis next to you is going to actually fully love you if they really knew the darkness inside of you because you've already got the enemy whispering to you when you've got things inside of you that once they find out you're done out like no one's gonna accept you no one's gonna want to know about you or once this is found out about you you're going to be treated different it's a fact they're going to look at you differently and i think only when we have relationships that are actually like close genuine relationships that's when you can cry in your sister or your brother's shoulder and be like bro i'm in big trouble but without having relationship how do you you don't just call someone that plays on the drum at sunday like, oh hi bro i see you every sunday i just thought i'd let you tell you bear my heart to you like it doesn't happen that way um and so that's why you don't want like i wouldn't want a stranger to know the short the shortcomings in my life i don't know what you're going to do with that information um, 
but it's not that I don't ever want to be open to people it's just if I don't know you bro I don't know you like that so I think for me I've I've learned that relationship building is so important in our lives period because that's where you have safety the bible says like in a multitude of of counselors there's safety you have to trust a counselor in order to be open with them um like you people are my counselors but i trust you guys i know you guys good bad ugly i know you guys have got my back and if you're correcting me i know it's because you love me and the love foundation is so deep and so strong i know i can bear myself before you guys but if i don't know that you truly have my back and love me I wouldn't bring myself. That's, I just wouldn't. So, yeah. I think that, that's really interesting, actually, because that also links to what Annie was saying, is saying it's also a reflection of how we are in the secret place. Many mm. of us born for the Father when we are to be naked and unashamed. So actually, mm. in terms of having that real relationship and really understanding the love of God, because mm. it's that that we are able to be open even with God in that secret place and we are able mm. to really bear ourselves because actually sorry this also links into what Adele was saying where pride also plays part in wanting to look like they have it all together the mm. flesh desires applause from man and would be willing to suffer in their secret shortfalls then exposing and healing so mm. those two things are linked right is that if in the secret place you are willing to be open to be kind of vulnerable with god when you know that actually god has accepted you god has loved you god has forgiven you when it comes to kind of showing that to other people and actually being open with other people about your your journey or your struggles because you already know that god has accepted you god has forgiven you actually that kind of that applause from man has less of a shine to it you know you desire that a bit less because actually you understand that actually you're you're forgiven from source you know 100 Jenna's the beloved this is your area <laughs> no it's all of us our area no, yeah, no, <laughs> we are all, all children it. of God <laughs> I know that I'm saying it to you because obviously you you really um, you've taken taken ownership of the revelation that we are his beloved we all are mm. but it's in your name bro we can all see it you know see it on your hoodie too uh-huh. So that's why I said it's your area in the terms of the, mm. the, the conversation about understanding the Father's love for us. Yeah, I think uh, uh, when it all comes down to it, it's just love. Uh, Jesus says they will know, you know, they will know you by the way you love, uh, you love one another. Or will know you that you are my disciples by the way you love one another. Um, Christian love goes beyond just character stuff, you know. Um, I think is in Galatians 6 that says, but if one is found in, in, in trespasses, you know, the ones of spiritual should restore him in the spirit of meekness and love. Uh, you know, don't restore him and judge him because, you know, that person you're trying to restore could be the next person that helps either your children, you know, because in this, in this Christian life, not, it's, it's not every day that you're always strong, so to speak, you know. There are times you 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 you're caught into some things that a brother could speak to you. Tolu could encourage me upon it. But imagine if he judges me and then also I judge someone else. You know, I think that's what happened with the with, with the book of Corinthians, with the children of Corinthians or the Corinthians. Is that there was so much judgment that Paul had to bring, you know, the true definition of love to them to remind them that this is where it all comes down to it. All that speaking yeah. in tongues, all that showing that you're the best Christian showing up on Sundays. 
with a nice heart on the left and then you know and then every time the pastor says hey man you just oh glory that's that that's really nothing you know <laughs> what's important is how you show your love to one another and christian maturity is love you know um, it's absolutely love so um and i think uh, I, I think it's probably in the same passage way says that and bear one another's burdens i i never mm. before i used to think what does it mean to bear one another's burden it means that if truly soul is found into something that is not good and the the feeling that he has wanting to get out i should want to i should i, I should have the same feeling of wanting him out instead of exposing him you know as um, david no matter the um, the nonsense mm-hmm. that soul did he never exposed them he never exposed them even the guy who came and claimed that he killed the king david says how dare you touch god's anointed but yet that was even rejected by god you know what i mean so it's like how are you protecting somebody who god has already rejected but yet david said he was he, he was an anointed of him. he was the one anointed by god you know so i think it's just love we um, in sometimes we feel so good about ourselves when we think that you know it's everything is fine with me i i mean i've been good you know uh, everything is fine but you know if everything is fine with you then lift the rest of the people up you know lift them up in with, with with grace and meekness and so that they may be in and sitting with you laughing with you enjoying with you you know uh, like god says true understanding repentance means changing of the mindset help them to change their mindset give them whatever sorry i'm going to share this remember we were having a conversation with a friend of mine in, in, in the car and he says oh i want this brother to repent i said bro you want him to repent but you've never even spent time like an hour with him giving him god's word how can he repent if he has not heard anything the bible says how they can how can they believe if they have not heard you know what i mean so they have to hear give him the word of god from there then you know you know what i mean uh, if you, well, it depends on the person's heart at in, in, in at that point so yeah I think it's just love man. Mm. Yeah, bro. Really hear that and you know what whilst you were speaking there I took a look at the comments as well. I saw that we've got another very 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 pregnant set of questions here to deal with. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so we've got Kadeem Edwards he said what practical measures? I love it. Pract- I'm all about practical. Let's Come go. On, bro. What practical measures can we take to carry out the spiritual teaching? handed down to us by the apostles what does the church which is spiritual look like when executed pragmatically wow okay it's a bit too late for that kind of question man come on <laughs> <laughs> i'm kidding i'm kidding i love it and you know i think just while you guys are maybe thinking about your answers because you're all going to say something on it um <laughs> i think something that i really appreciate about this question is that i feel like in a lot of in fact let me not say a lot because i haven't heard every sermon under the sun but in i think it can be typical in our teachings to get the information about the spiritual things about you know the spiritual doctrines about salvation justification faith and all these different things but when it comes down to okay like i've said yes to following jesus okay yes i accept this salvation that you talk about how do i take 
these spiritual things that are taught through God's word, handed down by the apostles, mm. and actually live that out. Okay, cool. I finished the Sunday service. Like, I'm going to give it my own language now. I finished the Sunday service. I went up, I said the prayer, and I feel like, yes, I've connected with God. I've decided I'm going to follow Jesus for the rest of my days. But it's Monday now. I've got to go to the, oh, well, not even go to the office because we're all in lockdown mostly, but I've got to log in and work remotely. I've got this colleague who is bugging out on teams and frustrating. I've got, you know, you know how it goes. Life hits us. And <clears throat> excuse me, when we go out into the world, when we leave our Christian circles and our Christian meetings, we go out into a world that doesn't really respect the fact that we've said we've decided to follow Jesus. And if anything, there's a whole lot of opposition. And there's a whole lot of things that would tempt us to renege, to turn back on the decision that we made to follow Jesus, whether it was yesterday, on the Sunday, or six years back. Because let me tell you something, I've been walking with God for some years now, and I still get irritated. I still get aggravated. I still have those things that really trigger me. Um, And I still have to get corrected as well at times by my brothers and my sisters and my wife at times on the things where I did fall short on the triggering and I triggered back. So, so yeah, so back on Kadeem Edwards' question, what practical measures can we take to carry out the spiritual teaching handed down to us by the apostles? Go for it, babe. Well, there are many things that one could say. There's many things I think yeah, we can break down and talk, but the, the one that is coming to mind right now and I'm looking over my journey and I'm looking at the scriptures and stuff is... The classic one we all know, don't forsake the gathering of the saints, okay? Like fellowship. fellowship. Um, doing, for me, when I think about fellowship, I'm not seeing Sunday service building with one man or woman or whoever speaking to you for X amount of time. You just sit there, receive, hear, 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 listen, 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 and then you just go home. And that, for me, is not fellowship in its entirety i think fellowship is it's intertwined it's it's messy sometimes it's Mm. like life on life like when we have fellowship with the holy spirit the holy spirit's not visiting us we we live with with the spirit of god so for me when i'm when i'm thinking about what does the church um what does a church that is spiritual look like when it's actually executing practically the teachings that were handed down to us one of those ways I think is actually by breaking bread together, having discussions like this, bringing the scriptures forward. Like when things are going out there and pastors are falling and misbehaving, you don't just send memes and tweets to your friends and then that's it. No, let's basically break down what was the script, what does the scripture say about this kind of behavior, this kind of conduct? How do we biblically address this? And you you have it out. You you sharpen one another. The Bible says iron sharpens iron and you only get sharp when you allow yourself to to have those difficult conversations. And um, so I think that you only, um, you have to be a student. And I guess the fellowship for me is where you get to actually put into practice, um, well, start to put into practice by having real conversations with people who you know are going in a direction of Christ and are sharp or getting sharp as well to say, oh what did um you know paul mean when he said a husband of one man like was that literally like one woman so one wife not one man (laughs) husband of one woman like was that was that like literally or was that just a figure of speech or 
when he says, you know, you need to have your household in order, was it a spiritual household he was talking about or does it a practical household? Like having some of those discussions, I feel like allow you to unpick scriptures and not just be someone who's kind of like, um, as we were talking about this week, um, the Matthew 13 person, this has been ringing my whole heart this week. Matthew 13, um, 20 and 21, we've been talking about it. So it's really in my head. Um, just about the person who receives the word of God with all readiness, so much excitement, like, oh, pastor preached up a storm. It was amazing. All of that good stuff. But then when the persecution comes on account of the word, you get choked up. Like, and the Bible talks about how that person falls because their roots are not deep. And I think we only get deep roots in Christ when we actually have those difficult or just conversations to say, like, I actually didn't understand what pastor was talking about. Or, you know, when you were singing that song, um, I don't understand why we're singing that. Why are we singing Come Holy Spirit? Is he not here? Is he like having those kind of conversations? I feel like allow us to actually... Tony, why are you laughing, fam? This is for real. This is very for real, okay? <laughs> no, because if you don't ask the questions, you start to build doctrines yeah. that are actually not uh-huh. true. And then you don't even know that you're building your life upon a doctrine or a sense of belief that is not actually biblically correct or sound or kingdom. And you just assume yeah. because Jesus is wrapped up in it that, yeah, Jesus is it. It must be good. Um but some things, I think, through these conversations, when somebody asks you a question, it may take you to your prayer place for weeks to understand why did he ask me that question? What did he mean by that? I'm offended right now. Why am I even offended in the first place? And yeah, so that's how I think fellowship for me, I think, is a, is a very, um, yeah, yeah. as Adele was saying, like, am I shopping and accountability to the right people 100%? Because I think, yeah, that helps you to take the word and make it practical on the first level. I feel like, yeah, you chop it up and then obviously you have to go and apply it. That makes sense. But at least you know you're actually dissecting the word rather than just taking it and and hoping that you understand it. That's really, really good. Listen, I'm enjoying this conversation. Gus, you got something to say before we move? I definitely subscribe to what Nash is saying. But I was going to say as well, Arnold, he says something. Um, something in your analogy when you was like we start work on Monday and we leave our Christian because why are we leaving our Christian circles and why are we hey. our Christian events? Um, if we're doing life together we literally mm. should be doing life together and um, I think it's so important um, and I see how that ties into everything that we've been talking about um, in terms of elements of discipleship and um, being vulnerable and also suppressing fear so that we can talk about scenarios that we encounter outside of church with work wherever it is so we can say yeah I actually felt like swearing at my boss for example or something like that and we yeah. can discuss those things and actually what um, Nash is saying or what Adelaide said in the comments is what I iron each other out um, I think one problem or one thing that I notice a lot sometimes that sometimes within even our circles some people don't necessarily like to share because they feel like what they know is better than somebody else and like what they have somebody else just can't make it or they can't understand or they can't be there holistically or spiritually where they are and i feel like 
those scenarios are also sometimes cause division in terms of who do we feel that we can trust and speak to and who do we feel that can understand us where they don't think they're too great with the scriptures or too perfect that they can't actually come to a level of reasoning with their brother or their sister so they can actually talk about this thing practically and see how they can actually help each other um mm. because doing things practically requires commitment it requires time it requires sacrifice but sometimes you might have to get in your car and drive two hours away to talk to your brother just to have a conversation even if the conversation you feel is actually mine but it's actually so important to him because it's given him um a source to be able to um yeah to be able to lean on and actually speak so i think one question that i always ask myself and i feel like it should be in in front of all our minds is what would jesus do mm-hmm. and i think that question allows us to convict us um to keep us um focused and also allow us to, and guide us to use the holy spirit to make decisions and i think when we put that as one of our initial converse, conversations our initial questions and um, i think it really helps us a lot to make decisions practically of what we're going to do in that situation it's really really good love it love it love it love it love it but guys i've been enjoying this conversation a lot and i think that we've really got to some really good points on these first few questions but we've got another one that's going to go in a little bit more um the next question is in the last 2 years a lot of well-known christian leaders have been exposed for being involved in scandalous behavior what surprises me is that there are a lot of people defending these leaders are we losing our backbone as christians if we're not willing to call out what is wrong and we stay silent in the name of grace Whilst you guys chew on your thoughts and what you're going to share about the question, <laughs> I'm going to take this opportunity to say that this is not going to be an opportunity for us to now start calling out names or anything like that because I think <laughs> that, that's not what we're going for right now. But if you know, you know; if you don't, you don't. But the point that someone's obviously making is that they feel like there's been a lot of well-known Christian leaders who've been exposed for being involved in scandalous behaviour. and the underlying question is or you know are we losing our backbones if we're not saying anything if we're staying silent in the name of grace what do you guys think i guess like what biblical examples do we have from the new testament for example of people calling out behavior like that is what i would ask Well, we've got some scholars and some deep Bible readers on the stage, so you guys tell me, tell us. And anybody also watching whilst we're up here, anybody in the comment section, like let's let's do all that question. What biblical examples do we have in the scriptures of people actually calling out the the sins um or the the wrongdoing, the falling shorts? Now, I just want to ask a question. When they say calling out, because does it mean that nobody has spoke to that person, or is it calling out? You know, I know a name preacher somewhere, and then I have to go on Instagram and start calling him out. What do they mean by that? Because we don't know if someone who's close 
to them, spoke to them. I mean, I'm not against the question, I just want to understand what the person so, means. So maybe the context would be that just before that, because we're limited on how much we can actually put on the screen, like in the comments, I put the full thing. So their point is that a lot of people, a lot of Christian leaders have been involved in scandalous behavior. And the thing that surprises them is that there are a lot of people defending those leaders and their actions. So I think the angle that they're coming from is more down the lines of there's what seems to be clearly scandalous behavior, clearly quote unquote wrong behavior. Rather than actually acknowledging and calling wrong wrong, people are defending it. So by doing so, is that a sign that we've lost our backbones as Christians? I think also, in some ways, we're also afraid of being judgmental, right? Because I think that we don't necessarily really have a true understanding of what is what is calling sin sin and what is being judgmental, you know? So I think that what some people are also trying to do is dance that line of kind of, well, you know, actually they're human, this kind of thing, you know, these kind of things that sometimes feel like we're excusing their behavior, but at the same time, it's like we don't want to be judging people, you know? So there's, there's quite a fine balance. So for me, it's like the things that people are doing, are they sin? Yeah, absolutely. You know, what is my place in their life about talking to them about it? Do I, can I, do I even have a place in their life? You know, I think this is what I, I probably personally struggle with with some of these things is look, I know these things are wrong for sure you know but like we all sin and we all fall short right so where's the balance with all of this you know what are we actually meant to do because can i actually correct some of these people no of course not do they even know who i am no (laughs) well like the people that i can actually correct are like you guys you know you guys can correct me because you know me you have that place in my life Mm. so I think it's a very interesting thing because the one I was thinking of in the Bible is with, I think it was Paul and Peter. And it wasn't like a, you know, like an adultery stand or anything like that, but where Peter was being hypocritical in terms of how he was dealing with the Gentiles, right? And Peter and Paul had that relationship with one another, right? So Paul called him out on it, you know? And that's why I'm interested in, okay, in the kind of celebrity preacher culture that we have, you know, because even back then they still had, you know, summer of Apollo, summer of Paul. So they still had some elements of that similar culture that we have. But you see Peter and Paul having that conversation together. So what, how should it actually work? Because I can't call out half of these people, like, on anything. Who am I to them? You know, I don't have that place. Yeah. I, that's what I, that I, I love what Tolu said because that's, that's, the, that's the reason why I asked, you know, what, what do they mean that calling out the person? Because if you go on Instagram or on Facebook and you're trying to write about them and then calling them out, they may never know about it, you know. The, the only thing that we can do as Christians is literally to perhaps pray, you know, you know the Bible says if you see your brother sin, a sin that does not lead to death, you know pray for them in other words pray for that person so that if there's a pastor somewhere in their lives that could potentially speak to them because these these scandals yeah they are coming out some of them are very shocking and mm. the unfortunate thing is that because they're in the eye of the public you know but the person who asked the question i would also want to ask them a question if at the same time that person's scandals were exposed with yours would you want them to have <laughs> 
Like, would you want both of them to come out, or would you want to be like, you know what, I'm good. Let, let's let's. let's, let's. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because, no, the point I'm making is, you know, you can't say you yours is a smaller one. His one is big because it's exposed. Do you know what I mean? Um, and because also we're believers, and I love what also Tolu said, and I think most of you will agree with me, that we're trying to make sure that we don't we're dividing things very, you know, clearly without having to cut off, you know, without having to jump off into judging someone and then be caught up, you know, into another situation later on. Do you remember the story of Jimmy Swaggart and uh, God, a main preacher? Jimmy Swaggart ended up judging this man of God who was found into uh, sexual immorality and then not six months later or a year later, Jimmy Swaggart was even worse. He went to the prostitute. Do you know what I mean? This is in the 1980s or even early 90s. And he was found with a prostitute. And this is, you know what I mean? The element of judging someone publicly. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Paul, when he called out Peter, they were in the confinement of brotherhood. Uh, Peter, when he called out the man who was sleeping with his father's wife, he wrote the letter to the church. He didn't write the, Lord, the, the letter to Rome and said, uh, those who are in Corinth must rebuke that brother. Do you know what I mean? I'm sure none of the people knew about it, but, well, I'm, I'm talking about publicly, you know, publicly, but the people in the church knew about it and they didn't say anything. So Paul needed, felt like, how can you not say things like this? You know, I cannot see Tolu do something or Tolu sees me do something. I don't say anything about it because we have a relationship. I have to say it, you know. Uh, Brother David, he sees me in the street and all of a sudden I'm at the station of, 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 of uh, what's it called, uh, Stratford, and then he sees me and he knows that there's a girl, few girls there were prostituted. And Brother Jonas is standing there going, ah, what's happening? He'll come and say, yo, 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 you're a pastor. What are you doing this? Because what? <laughs> he knows me. Do you know what I mean? If someone else, I'm like, I don't know you. Do you know what I mean? But mm. at the same time, I understand what the brother's coming out or the person who's asking this question. We have to, to speak boldly and say, look, these things are wrong. Yeah. But if we say people and the things and we throw them together, then we're losing out the people. We say, no, this thing, this behavior is not right. But for a believer, this behavior is absolutely not right. For anyone, doesn't matter who you are, big, small, 30 years in ministry, two years in ministry, it's wrong. Yeah, but yeah. At the end of the day, we can't really just say, oh, you know what, let's, let's put people aside and expose them. No, I, don't, I don't believe in exposing people. So, I, I like what you said and I think just to quickly add one thing in there I can see David's got something to say as well yeah, I think I thing that you mentioned is that distinction between making a righteous judgment about what is good and what is evil as to the act and to what has actually happened versus making an eternal judgment about the person being condemned essentially and saying that there is no salvation because I think when I read the question when I think about being, when I think about calling out what is wrong, I guess yeah, there's the one side of seeing it as yeah, do I need to go and do like a YouTube series basically talking about how this person's a false prophet? Or on the flip side, I see it as when I'm looking at the information I have about what happened, can I make a righteous judgment based on the information that I know to say that a particular act or something that has happened is evil? Because but why I, do I do that? I guess the other thing. Why? Sorry? Why is that a necessary thing? Why do I need to have a comment? As a believer, we have a job to discern between what is good and evil. Like, not just necessarily looking at things in theory, but when you see something, when you see something has happened or taken place, 
you have to make an assessment. And I think you don't always have, your assessment might come to the conclusion that I don't have enough information or I'm not close enough to know. And I think that's fair enough. But I think that when you do have enough information, there's definitely a place for being able to say that like evil is evil, wrongdoing is wrongdoing. And you can confirm that about the act itself without condemning the person. But but I, I guess my question is, right, why is that important? What does that actually, what does that benefit us do. to do that? Because I feel like sometimes for me, the reason why I think I engage even in some of these things is because, look, some of these people are people that, you know, we listen to. They're people that we take teaching from. Yeah. You know, so for me, when, you know, somebody is teaching that and we've we've had some of these conversations about like, okay, do we cancel this person's everything they've said? Do we cancel it all? Mm. Right. And that's where for me, okay, I might want to engage with it a bit more because I'm trying to understand, okay, this thing that is happening, you know, actually, what does this mean even in terms of what I take from this person? Because actually, when we think about David, David did his thing, but actually the Psalms still bless us all, right? This is some of the conversations we've been having. So what I'm trying to understand is why is it important that I say whether it's right or wrong? What, what does that actually, what's the benefit for that, for doing that? I guess probably my counter question would be how else do we practice discerning between good and evil outside of just reading the scriptures? And when I say that, wait, let me say, when I say that, what I mean is not, I need to make an announcement about this person. I'm talking about me as Arnold. I've been given a 12 page report that is independent and that tells me an an independent investigation of certain accusations against a four leading ex-Christian leader or Christian leader, whichever way you want to I think, yeah? I think, I think I, it requires wisdom. As, oh, sorry. Say again? As no, I, I think yeah, I believe we, we learn the theory, and this is the stuff that I think comes back to something that I think Kadeem mentioned earlier about the, the, the teachings of the apostles. How do we get practical with it? I think like there is a place for us seeing the examples in scripture and saying, yeah, this is good, this is evil. But I think that in our everyday lives, there are going to be examples of things that go on in the world, in our own very in our very own lives, in the lives of those that are close to us, in the lives of those that are further afield. And I think that you you practice discernment so that you can get sharp right for yourself. And when I'm saying discernment, I'm saying being able to make a righteous judgment and a an assessment and a conclusion on an act being good or evil. I don't think there's anything wrong with saying that an act is good or evil. But, but I, I thought discernment was about being dis- uh, being able to discern like truth, being able to discern doctrine, right? Because for me, yeah, when we're not yeah. right or wrong, is this good or bad? That's for me, that's more judgment than discernment. Because for me, yeah, discernment true. is okay. Am I hearing truth? Am I receiving truth? Am I walking in truth? It's not about you know, it, did they do right or wrong? And that's why I'm trying to say, okay, I can understand discernment in terms of doctrine and making sure I'm not imbibing funny things. But actually, what benefit does it do me to say that, okay, this 12-page document is correct and actually this person did wrong? Okay, now what? Like, what's next? You know? Go ahead, bro. I was no, going to hear what David, David was going to say because I keep hearing, he keep coming close to him. I really want to hear what he's got to say. No, no, you guys covered it all, you know. Um, for me, I, I second what Antolu said. Um, after you found out all the information about the guy or the woman, what's next? 
you can't go and pursue them. Are you going to then become a keyboard warrior and then start telling the world, don't follow them. <laughs> they've done this, they've done that. That's not your job. You know, our job is to love the Lord with all our hearts and all our mind and teach others to love the Lord. Our job is to be obedient to God, to Jesus. Our job is to discern truth, you know, to be led by the Holy Spirit. It's not our job to start running around rebuking somebody unless God has specifically told you, tell him, warn her. You know, that, that, that's, that, that's, that's my stance in it. I think if I can add what David Talawa says, I remember, you know, okay, let me not even tell you the story because it's going to be changing the subject. But I, I don't I don't recall anywhere in the Bible anybody being called to the ministry of rebuke. Like, it's, it's, it doesn't even exist. You know, but the word of God is what corrects us. Do you know what I mean? Um, and I think it's just the word of God is there to, to correct people. Um, like David said, you don't want to be a keyboard warrior. Too many people in, in, in our generation are too busy. You become too busy body and just commenting on everything and say the Lord rebuke. Like, come on. You know, even David, who was a king, you know, um, uh, Nathan had to ask God for wisdom because Nathan knew I can't just be going to David and just saying anything. God may go and kill me. Like <laughs> David gonna be like, you you say what? I took somebody. Is he your business? You know. So it was important for for it's important for for us to understand that, um, you know, when you're going to speak to someone, unless he's close to you, and unless the Lord tells you to speak to them, also. But if going to speak to them i will say pray first because if you pray you will find out that 90 percent of the things that you 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 kind of held on to say sorry you you you, you were ready to say to that person you wouldn't even say it you will end up ministering to the person with the word of meekness and then making sure that the person understands that's if the person is close to you but if, the, if you don't know the person i would just say my brother so, can I add something? Sorry, go on, go on, guys. I was going to say, I think I, I agree with aspects of what everyone said. I think the heart of it has to be what's the father's heart in these situations when one sins? What's the father's heart? Reconciliation, mm-hmm. right? He wants us to go back to him. Jesus wants us to go back to him. I think that's it. And I feel like if when these things happen, when we are addressing it, are we addressing it with reconciliation? Or like once someone said, are we addressing it to condemn? If we're addressing it to condemn, then there's, there's nothing that we can do to actually bring that person back because all we're doing is condemning them. But if you have access to that person, as for example, and you're addressing it with reconciliation, then, then there's a relationship, relationship there that can allow that person to lead them to repentance. Or like what you're saying, pull the spade, the spade. But I would only say that in the sense of identifying the sin are you practically because one main one could be walking i may not know what for example adultery may look like but yeah you've identified that i said no this is adultery this is wrong so one can say oh okay now that i can use that as a way to also reflect on myself i feel like okay, what is it that i could be doing that could be similar or the same as this which is right to god so i think from that element identifying it it's good but if we're using it to condemn it doesn't benefit us and it doesn't benefit god because god's heart is reconciliation but if we're using it in a way where we can reconcile if it's a case of making a video to identify the sin but practically we say okay how can we bring this back to god or 
what things can you do to prevent yourself from doing this i think that's when it becomes um beneficial to speak on it so i agree 100 with what that just said and i think what i realize is that i'm not in disagreement with a lot of what you guys are saying but i think there might have been a slight misunderstanding that i wasn't suggesting that you discern it so that you can go and do your campaign on youtube about this person um, I think the example that Gus gave is a very practical one because even thinking about 12-page reports and the likes of those things when these things happen, we offline have had FaceTime conversations where we're looking through it and we're actually trying to say, what, like, we don't look through it for the sake of let's just gossip. We look through it, we talk about it, we ask the questions, we ask the difficult questions and we start asking the questions that are more self-reflective to say, how can I avoid that being me? Like, how do I avoid being the next 12-page scandal? Do you get what I'm saying? And I think if you want to know why I think it's relevant at times to call it out, it's sometimes to be watchful for yourself, which is a biblical practice. If you see something that has happened, self-assess. It's not about condemning the person, but second to that as well, I think there's also a practical side to this because even in the discipleship context, I've been in plenty of conversations where people who have genuine questions been heard about the so-called scandal and they want to know, how am I supposed to navigate this? How do I make sense of this? And I think that, like, when we, if the answer to that kind of question is to say, you know, it's not our place, we're not close enough. Like, I feel like there's a place for that. And I think there's truth to that. But I think that it's also important that even in the discipleship journey, we can have those raw conversations where people can freely ask those questions because the person could be asking me about it or having a conversation with me about it. And after they have this conversation, they're going to have to figure out what they're going to do with their pastor or their spiritual leader who may be closest to them in the future, who may fall into a situation. And I think that's where getting the balance right of being able to, if there is enough information, like be truthful, call good, good and evil, evil, but equally make sure it's done in the context of not condemning the person or leading to a seven week campaign. I, I think I think when it comes to some of these scandals, yeah, if someone cheated on their wife, is it right or wrong? It's wrong. Yeah, it's not like for me. This is that's not discernment. Yeah, it's like did someone cheat on their wife? Yes, it's bro, wrong. Hebrews speaks about discerning between good and evil. That is yeah, discerning, yeah. bro. But bro, like we know that biblically, if you cheat on your wife, it's wrong. But yeah, there's no, great no, 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 bro, you say that, yeah. But how many Christian leaders are out there? How many, not even just Christian, how many Christians are out there that will justify them sleeping with somebody other than their wife? Yeah, but, but bro, like, but what I'm saying is, for me, that's not even discernment, yeah? Like, it's it's very basic. Like, there are some things that we know are just wrong and that we know are right, yeah? So for me, this is where it comes down to, Adele said, what's the purpose and what's the agenda, right? So for me, if somebody comes to me and says, look, you know, somebody, this, this is, is is cheating on my wife right or wrong it's wrong like is there a situation where it's right no it's wrong you know but what i'm saying is that even in this question we're talking about the public calling out not staying silent for me that's very different for me us having that conversation between us and saying look this has happened how do we avoid this from happening i'm not actually calling out that person for their sin i'm looking at their sin and saying okay i don't want to go down this same path how do i make adjustments in my life to do that do you see what I mean? I mean, that's not that's not calling them out. I, I know that what they've done is wrong. I know that's not what I want for me in my life. So we're engaging in a conversation that's not about calling them out. I'm not calling out these people. 
that's not what they said in the question though but they said calling out what is wrong so that's no, 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 no. okay so so the question what it says right is if we're not willing to call out what is wrong and we stay silent in the name of grace right so that's not about for me that doesn't speak about we're staying silent between ourselves to talk about this matter and say how do we avoid that for ourselves for me that means that i'm publicly speaking up and speaking out and condemning the acts of this person or saying that this is wrong for me this isn't about private conversations that we're having it says look you know a lot there are a lot of people defending these leaders and that happens publicly too right that happens in the comments that happens everywhere so you know i'm Mm. Yeah, then they try and get the person to come into the next live stream so they can speak oh. on it so it's, it's like, <laughs> how about that because right now we're all interpreting <laughs> for sure for sure and and i think i think it's a fair question right it is it is a very fair question and yeah i think it would be good to actually discuss this properly yeah <laughs> so i'm just going to run through some of the comments because quite a few things have come in since we last checked in uh we had praise saying the ministry of rebuke she was crying with laughter there's a whole load of clapping hands i don't remember what that was for uh churchily bin fungula 1 corinthians 6 2 christian standard bible or don't you know that the saints will judge the world and if the world is judged by you are you unworthy to judge the trivial cases we've got adele as well there needs to be purpose in the calling out what's the purpose and what's the agenda and Adele came in again two minutes later when the people dragged the adulterous woman to Jesus for him to rebuke her because of self-righteousness. Jesus rebuked them. He then addressed her sin, then sent her away with a word to marinate on. We've got Joshua Etienne saying, I believe we all fall short. However, it is important to deal with the sin as it harms, the per- it harms that person and others if left unaddressed. Rebuking out of love is important to our brothers and sisters. I, I think my question would be, right, is that if I'm making social commentary on someone who I don't actually have a relationship, am I actually rebuking that person? Do you see what I mean? Because for me, rebuke is Jonah's coming to me and saying, look, bro, when you said this thing, that wasn't correct. You know, that's I'm being rebuked. But if Jonas then goes online and is posting about it and he's commenting on it, he's not actually rebuking me because am I even seeing I'm exposing you. Exactly. So for me, like, I I don't have a problem with rebuking, bro. Let's rebuke away, but actually rebuke me. Do you see what I mean? Like, let's actually rebuke each other. That's what I said. Like, Nathan didn't, like, wait until David was having a party and then to the mic and be like, hmm, the Lord told me. You know, just, <laughs> he went. He went in private time, and then told him and said. And even he had to use the most beautiful example to make David understand because David understood how a sheep and a sheep and shepherd relationship are. So, you know what I mean. So, mm. Mm. Okay. well, just before we wrap it up, I'm going to take the temperature down a little bit, and we're going to finish with a bit of a more hopefully gentle question and the question is i really want to hear god say well done my good and faithful servant what advice do you have for someone to live their life as a christian to the fullest how about that no controversy i I think whenever anyone has that advice let me know because i want to live that full life please you guys ain't got no advice no what's happening i think think one i think (laughs) I think um, 
the first thing I would say, which was um, what I said before, um, to always ask yourself, so what would Jesus do? Because again, that allows, that convicts us where we see that our desires, which may not be right, um, is not what Jesus would do. That helps us when we're being generous and we feel like we're not giving enough and Jesus will give everything. I think that question helps us in so many aspects of our Christian lives and where we are asking questions or where we are wanting to get that answer well done by a good and faithful servant. Um, with everything that Jesus did, he did to the fullest. So I think having that question definitely helps navigate it. I'm just going to say, um, oh, David, do you want to say something? Um, yeah, but after you, it's okay. For sure. Oh, um, I was just going to say, like, um, just to add to that, I think just develop um, an authentic relationship that is intimate with God, knowing him personally for yourself. Because I think in order to be able to serve God and to be faithful, especially in those dark times of your life when things are not going okay or when you experience disappointment, when all kinds of stuff happen because we are going to all experience different seasons in our lives and not all seasons are going to be good and to stay faithful is very 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 challenging um because it's all like it's easy to sometimes start and be all excited in the beginning yeah my new life in christ woohoo but then life happens and when it when it happens it it can knock you back to the point where you, your faith gets shaken. And so to actually remain faithful is a very big deal, I think, in our in our walks with Christ. And I think you can't remain faithful to God if you don't have a close relationship with him where you, you understand that even when things go bad, he's still good. Even when I'm disappointed, he's still good. Like things like that keep you going. Um, so for me, the advice that I would give for someone who really wants to live that the Christian life to the fullest, I think we only have a full um, full life, literally. Yeah, as um, Adele's putting um, John 15 about God being the vine um, and us being connected to him. And I think that's the only way we're really going to experience a full life in Christ. Be connected and be connected so well. And I love this verse and how Jesus says, I am the true vine. He makes it clear he's a true vine because they are also false vines. So don't connect yourself to a false vine thinking it's Christ, thinking that it's going to give you that life. But be um, be, in, be committed to really um, like searching out what is truth and then just staying close to God and going through the processes he takes you through. Mm. That's really good. Um, the Sorry, person... Um... Go ahead, bro. Yes, I wanted to add something. Um, how do you remain faithful and hear those precious words, you know, my good and faithful servant? The scripture mm. that came to mind was First John 3, from verse, from verse 1 to 3. It says, see what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And it has, um, and it has not yet known what we should be, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him. So, dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we have and what we will be, it has not yet been known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like Him, 
and and as he is all who has this hope in him purifies themselves just as he is pure so basically what that says we have to understand how much god loves us that's mm. what john is saying first and foremost you must understand the love that god has for you mm. and with that love you must believe that jesus is coming back mm. and you're saved to be like him and now you understand that you must purify yourself as he is pure how do you purify yourself so if you have a hope that he's coming back you must purify yourself and how do you do this by staying in the word um mm. by keeping in the community um, the community of christians by prayer doing all the things that we spoke about here that's how you purify yourself yeah i think that's my answer should be good what was that verse again david that you read from first john 3 from verse from verse 1 to 3 well, thank you okay and we had adele say john 15 verse 1 to 2 which is the verses that she quoted stay close to the source love her and i think on that note it's a good time to close out and wrap up so first of all thank you to everybody who obviously has been a part of this conversation up on the stage and in speaking sharing and thank you to everybody as well who dropped comments came out to watch it you guys have been here pretty much start to finish and it's been amazing um just to give you guys a little run through um we are reason to behold we like to just deal with the real stuff we want to just live this christian life to the fullest and we exist for the person who wants to hear well done my good and faithful service seven sorry not service goodness tired late night um <laughs> and i think you know this conversation in a lot of ways summarizes what we're really really keen to just push through on is just being those authentic christians who aren't hiding behind a bunch of language or false images and things like that but just living this real christian life the life that jesus came to redeem us for um and just making it as practical as possible so if you haven't already subscribed make sure you subscribe to the channel stay tuned we do plan to do more live streams just like this next one should be next week same time um thank you guys for the positive feedback for all the comments we love you guys if you want to get in touch with anybody who you see on the screen if they want you to locate them there's an at in front of their name <laughs> and if there isn't an at in front of their name maybe they don't want you to know where they are or to find them but <laughs> but yeah thank you guys once again it's been amazing it's been a big blessing and yeah man have a great night if you haven't already by the way our handle on all platforms is at reason to behold instagram follow us we send all of the updates usually there when we're doing stuff spotify um apple podcast we do a podcast that goes out every sunday every other week sorry not every sunday every other sunday and yeah we love you guys god bless peace keep it 100 keep it authentic thanks guys this has been awesome